Hi, everyone. I'm here with Simran, who is the technical co-founder of Zogo Finance, and we're just going to be having a little chat today. Um, so first of all, what is your favorite weird food combination? Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's like anything super crazy weird. One that was a personal favorite for a long time was uh, it was inspired by this kid named Chandler in my calculus class in high school. He he would carry around like Ritz crackers, yeah. um, peanut butter and Nutella, like in his backpack at all times. Uh, and I don't know if it's that weird, but I would eat a lot of that. Huh. Um, and oh, that was that took me to junior and senior year of high school for a long time. I can't couldn't have been good for me, but that that's the most really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then what is your like favorite useless fact? Oh, my most favorite useless fact. Um. Huh. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely butcher the the actual like numbers or timelines. But the, what I think about often is like, um, I think there's two. They're kind of they're both kind of related. And I think I'm gonna get the numbers and the dates and the the stuff whatever wrong for sure. But it was like I think Unix was created in like a month. Like the first alpha version of like the Unix like operating system was made in like a month. Or like Linus Torvalds who like made the first version of Git did it in like 13 days or something like that. Maybe even less than that. Um. I don't know. It's like not super productive or useful, but I think about it often when I think about like coding or building anything like super useful or like impactful. It's like we have this really, um, it's it's very uh, interesting how nonlinear like impact and things that we can build, the impact of the things we build are uh, nonlinearly to like how much time we spend on them. Like Unix made a huge impact was the first version was built in a month. Um, something similar like that was for Zogo too. Like there were a three month period where we built a lot of the stuff and it was the core infrastructure for, for, you know, the rest of the company. And it's just like crazy to think about that occasionally. It just, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Oh yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then last kind of random question, how would you personally spend $50,000 other than Ritz, or Ritz crackers and Nutella? Uh, <laughs> uh, personally spent $50,000. Um, well, I would probably some friends and I were thinking about taking like a trip early next February or, mm -hmm. or March or January to probably India to visit a wedding mm -hmm. um, or to go to Australia, well, you know, visit a wedding to attend like a friend's cousin's wedding or going to Australia was a place we wanted to go. Um, and so I'd probably just like spend it on that trip for like two or three people um, or like going uh, on a family trip. My mom really wants to go to Singapore. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, yeah. I probably uh, traveling, traveling in those spots with family and friends is pretty, I'm pretty simple to do. Quick answer to that. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Um, all right. And then moving on to like kind of the more serious questions. Um, how would you describe Zogo in 45 seconds? And what's your real like target audience with it? Yeah. So uh, Zogo is a mobile app that pays you to learn financial literacy. And we partner with different financial institutions to provide that as a service for their customers or for their members. Um, and so we have over 200 financial institutions, including some of the biggest names are like uh, American Express and, and Chase and, and uh, you know, pretty much banks and credit unions around the nation. And, you know, our goal is to make learning finance easy and simple. So you can download the app, get paid to learn, and then, you know, these lifelong habits that will make a huge impact uh, on your financial literacy. And so uh, kind of the end user, any and all ages, uh, we kind of target the app and our messaging for financial institutions is very much around like attracting uh, the next generation of customers because the company is founded by a lot of young people. And, and we firsthand 
had that experience in our high schools and colleges not being, you know, educated properly on finances. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Um, and then you kind of maybe mentioned this, but early on in the founding of Zogo, is there anything that you guys did that was really beneficial just throughout the founding of the company? Yeah, the so the you know, each each founding company has their own kind of like history and wandering through like a forest of ideas or like, you know, lots of different, you know, startup philosophies on what that time period of a company's founding is kind of like. I think we spent, oh gosh, we probably spent like a year and a half um bouncing like around like crazy different ideas all related to financial literacy and, and young people um and their relationship with parents and and those type of like life habits and i think at that period in time for us uh it was really important for us to i think like explore any new idea or like tangential thought um to our what we thought we were trying to build and like not immediately reject it but at least let it let the thought simmer um in the product in in our minds when we were talking to other people and collecting feedback uh so like you know at the original founding of zogo like we we did not consider partnering with financial institutions at all um we wanted to do something that was more to the consumer that focused on you know teen debit spending and transactions and spending habits there and like helping parents get a better understanding of their kids' finances, kids learning their own topics, like making sure in like a family setting um, that finances are taught properly. But some, one of our advisors at some point suggested financial institutions and we started talking to financial institutions. And then we started thinking about financial literacy as in just like, you know, concepts that are outside of just spending and budgeting. Um, and then we started thinking about, you know, allowances. And then we started thinking about tasks and chores. And then we built different applications here and there, um, got some feedback from parents and we, you know, adjusted this and removed this and went to financial institutions and removed that and added that. And so, but like all of that had a lot of jumping around. And so for the first year and a half, I think it was really important for us to like, not like when we heard an idea, we didn't completely immediately reject it. When someone said financial institutions, we said, okay, what does that mean? We talked to some financial institutions instead of saying, nope, we're going straight to the parents and for the, for the, for the kids and teenagers. Um, different companies have different philosophies around this. For that, for us, that was super helpful for us because we ended up selling to financial institutions and that's like our, our main business now. But that's not necessarily true for all companies. But for us, that was super important at that time. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. Um, and then kind of like shifting into the tech sphere, um, how do you feel about the recent release of ChatGPT as someone that works in tech? Yeah, that's um, there's there's a lot of interesting things out there. I think like, you know, Twitter is going crazy on this stuff. Like I've had some friends reach out to me and like just smart people in the tech space, like telling me like, Hey, like I asked it to do this tech problem and it somehow solved it. And I was like, dang, that's, it's pretty cool. I asked it at some point to like, um, teach like a five-year-old concept about inflation. And I was like, very surprised that like, you know, it gave me kind of a reasonable answer. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. Um, and so I, I think there's, I think, Something that's a cool tech project like that, I think it's it's going to take a, some time for uh, engineers or developers or like people who are just interested in like building on top of it. Just like uh, I, I think it's going to be really cool to see what people come up with. Um, yeah. And and I, I think I'm really excited about the learning opportunities there. Like 
because it, you know, Google is really good at like helping me figure out some stuff, but it's not as like interactive as I feel like chat GPT three can be. And I think that's going to be really cool um, to see how people learn more effectively on that. Um, Cause Google is good. I think, uh, I think the back and forth there is going to be super interesting. Cause I can just ask it, can you explain more as opposed to trying to like refine my question on Google to be a little bit better. I think the chat model may not be super great for learning because it's like kind of tough, but like, I think it's the first step that I think, oh, like maybe there's something cooler there. Uh -oh. Yeah. Are you like worried for the future of like software engineering? Because like I am in CompSci right now and I put in one of my programming assignments and it basically just solved it to a T. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I like... There's, there's a lot of philosophical, this can get real philosophical and like, there's a lot of like terms around like techno futurism and optimism and all those like little, like, like thoughts around there. I, I'm, I think the, um, my underlying kind of thought is that like, it's not unreasonable that those types of things will happen. And if they happen, like there's not much people can do to stop like software, like software is really hard to like, not like once it's out there, it's just like a couple of like bit files or like an API or something like that. Like if someone does it reason, like now someone could also reasonably do it in a year or two and then release it to the public or something like that. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm not like, but at the same time, it's not like, oh, if something bad is going to happen with tech, it's going to happen regardless of what we do. Right. Like the, I, I think by and large, like I, I think, um, I'm, I think it's, I think it's kind of cool and I'm excited to see what will happen. And I hope like we'll grow as a society out of it. And I kind of feel like we, sh we would. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's <laughs> a very optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I'm generally optimistic about these types of things. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then as a recent college graduate, how do you feel that your education prepared you for like real world work? Yeah. Um, I think, I think there's, I, I try to break it down into like two different kind of categories. One is just like, like, uh, I don't know a better way of saying this, but just like raw knowledge is like, do you know X, Y, Z type of stuff? Or like, Hey, if someone told me to like, um, take the derivative of like some exponential function, like, could I do it? Um, I could learn how to do it pretty quickly. If I Googled it, I, I would think, um, or at least I'd hope. Um, but like that type of raw knowledge, I think it was cool. Like I, most of the, like the raw knowledge, like, that I learned in school is not super helpful for me. Um, you know, I think it was good, like mental exercise. I view a lot of them as like mental exercises and it's like a really cool environment to be like, to be there and be like, Oh, like this is math is a really good experience for or like physics is a really good example of that for me, at least so was like, those classes are really hard and they just like push you to become smarter almost like how much can you like push the, the, your brain to do something crazy hard and like sit down and like tackle a problem. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, but those like actual pieces of knowledge are super like translatable aside from like, hopefully making me think more critically, but I think the, so the, the like teamwork bits of that, of, of school have been super helpful. Like there were two or three classes that I think of specifically, um, that I think were super helpful in, in, in me joining like a 12 person team and building out software projects or like, um, there was another class, um, uh, in the entrepreneurship department at, at Duke that, um, you know, one of our teachers would pretend, like have us pretend that we're the executive leadership team at um, a company 
I can think of, I think we did this for sure for Tencent. Um, and he'd be like, hey, you're the board of directors. There's 12 of you in the middle of the class. You need five points and initiatives for the next year. Go figure it out. Like, what are your five initiatives to, to make sure that the company succeeds? And we would have to dish it out and we would do a terrible job at discussing. And then he'd be like, hey, like, you know, try to focus it in again. You need these five points. And we'd kind of iterate on that. And then it'd try to be very tangible and you'd have to feel like you're very involved in the decision and like take responsibility for that decision. And I think that was like um, super important. And like, it's a, it's a very important mentality that I continue to use at Zogo. It's like, you have to kind of feel like you've owned the decision and you're responsible for it. Um, so it is on a class by class basis, but like, I think that was, those are some pretty important skills I think I learned in college. Awesome. Do you feel that you learned, like it was more important that you learned how to learn than actual like content? Yeah, I think that applies more for like the first, first, like, like the raw knowledge stuff, mm -hmm. um, was like, uh, I think for me, I think one of the things that was most interesting is I would like see a problem and be like, oh, that's actually extremely hard to do. Or like, um, this happened a lot in algorithms or like different math classes. I would like read a question yeah. um, and I'd be like, oh, there's like literally no way that I can figure out how to, I know nothing about what the question is asking me. Yeah. How could I possibly answer this? And then sit down for like a couple hours, read some, some articles on the internet, read the textbook, try some stuff out, ask friends a couple questions. Um, and then I would like have something that I was like, oh shoot, like that's, that might be an answer. And like going through something like that, I think was just super fun and, and incredibly helpful. And, and I think it enters into the, how to learn, how to learn. Once you do that a couple of times, you start to see, okay, I can approach most problems with some sort, like I can, I can approach them, right? Like I have some thoughts that I can, I, I can kind of go in that direction and just constantly doing that. And you just want me to realize like, you know, you can learn a lot of things. It's, yeah. And, like you can just kind of figure some stuff out. Um, I think it's been super helpful. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then I saw that you guys were based in Austin, Texas, and I was kind of curious, just like why Austin specifically. Yeah, I like the the. Have you ever been to Austin, Texas? I think maybe once. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a good time. There's there's a nice uh, big gas stations. If you ever been to Bucky's? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. But we moved just because of Bucky's, but it was yeah. like. Uh, like I, I think uh we it was it was a decision involved um with our investors and our partners as well. And they we noticed that there was a lot of tech talent moving to Austin, Texas. So it really was about like, you know, tech talent, are there smart people that we can work with? There's smart people everywhere, but we we found that like Austin, Texas was was a really good spot. Um and and I've been super pumped and it's been a good time. You kind of like go around and you'll see a lot of like a, a nice variety of people who work in tech who also don't work in tech or just interesting people are super friendly. Um, and it's been kind of a good, good time. Uh, yeah. and awesome. you've got a good deal in an office as well with our partners and investors. And so that never hurts. Um, yeah. so it made it kind of easy. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then do you feel that like a unique name like Zogo has like helped you guys a lot throughout your like founding? Yeah, I, I think the, the name itself, um, Zogo. I, I don't know. I'm less, I'm less sure about the name Zogo, but I, what I, I can speak more confidently towards is like our branding for the pineapples yeah. and, um, uh, uh, Boland did a pretty good job at this. If you look at Boland, who's a, a CEO and another co-founder who is like on his LinkedIn is like Boland, Mr. Pineapple Lee. Um, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
you know, we would go to conferences and we'd be carrying on pineapples. Like when we were very, very early on at Sogo, we like were partnering with a school um, in Durham and we like went and delivered pineapples to all of the like pilot, like the families that were working in our pilot program. Yeah. Um, and we would ship like pineapple merchant gear to our partners and like part, like everyone kind of loves like revolving around the pineapple and, and kind of an identity there that I think has been super helpful. The Zogo name itself, it's, I think it's a good name and it's like, usually you don't have to like explain, like you, you can spell it out, but it's very easy to spell out. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think that has been like cool, interesting. And at the very least has hopefully been not, it hasn't added friction, but I don't know if it's been like super like pro pineapples on the other hand, people kind of go crazy for them. Um, and so that's been super helpful for sure. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it kind of like tied into that. So I actually tested out the Zogo app and I found that the UI was like really phenomenal. Do you feel that that's kind of becoming like really important in today's age, like competing with other apps and just having a really great UI? Yeah, I think um, UI and user experience is an interesting one. I, I, I think of it like, uh, I could be completely off base, but I, I started to think about it a lot. Like, I think about it in the form of like, uh, there's two things maybe like, I, I think it's useful to not, so learning for Zogo in particular, I'll, I'll try to, for, for learning and for Zogo, like the learning is one of those things that I think lots of people want to do, but as if you give them reasons to make it harder, it makes it easier for them not to do it. Right. Uh, like adding friction for learning, I think is is very much like a, it makes an impact, I think. Uh, but like if you made it harder for me to like buy groceries online, I'm probably willing to trug through like, you know, go through a lot more hurdles because I really want and need groceries. But I think for learning, I think it's very easy for the for people to be like, oh, like it's not super clear what the impact is or like I'm wasting too much time doing this. Um, and so I think the user experience for something like learning is super incredibly important um, because people like by nature sometimes don't want to do it. Um, and so if we can remove friction as well as help, you know, add, uh, uh, I, I there's this concept of like friction and fuel that I think uh, someone had suggested a while and I think about it often. If we could reduce, if we can use user experience to reduce friction and then add fuel to be like streaks or gamified experiences or like, you know, um, sounds and, and cool screens and colors and things like that, or like giving the right knowledge or education at the, at the right time. Um, I think will help someone stay and spend more time and enjoy learning. And I think that's very critical for learning, especially because, you know, it's something that people don't want to do it because some of things can be hard. Um, yeah. Nice. Okay. And then kind of like tying into the game bit. Um, I saw that you made a Java game editor a while ago. Do you feel that that kind of like tied in with like how you founded Zogo or how you like styled it or anything? Yeah, I the the game editor for sure. What one thing that it helped me do, I, I'm I'm less certain about if the game editor helped me like think specifically about like Zogo like experience and product and things like that. But I think the one thing that it did do was help me become like a better software engineer, which is super important for. Um, I think building out the application technically. I've I've been pretty into games like in high school and junior high and and college and I guess probably technically not too. Um, and in the game editor class, I think there uh, 
we actually act had to build like hard software for the first time in my like college career. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of difficult to do. We would the game editor was a way for the user to create their own games. And so like we had to think very abstractly about like what is a game like Super Mario, like the uh like the platformer where you kind of like jump around and you hit the little blocks and you eat the or you don't eat them, you jump on the like uh I don't remember what they're called, but the little mushroom looking things. Yeah. And what is what are the components there? What does a user need to be able to program there? Um, are there any similarities to that? Like how do we make you know reasonable software objects? For that game as well as a game like doodle jump like if we wanted to have the user build something like doodle jump how would they do that how do we give someone the uh capability to build a game that's more like pokemon or like pac-man you know those are very different games but like to sit down and be like oh build something that can help a user build both of those types or all those types of game um and work with like eight other people in like college is it was a good time to be like okay this is, we got to get down to business. These are the types of problems we may run into. This is how we communicate as a team. This is how we meet. Um, and I think that that experience gave me a lot of confidence or at least, uh, you know, something to ground myself when we were working on Zogo. Um, yeah. And I think that was super important. Awesome. Wow. Um, and then about Zogo, what was your kind of like personal favorite or like wow moment just in since founding Zogo? Yeah, the... <laughs> There's been a lot of interesting moments. I think um, the the one thing that like uh, surprised me a lot, um, and I think back to often is like we had a lot of super smart, like more accomplished people be willing to spend their time talking to like a bunch of like kids in college, which was what we were. Um, and it was just like kind of like there's this moment that I, I reference a lot or like I think about a lot when working with our own engineering team or when I think about just like the kindness of others. Um, we had a uh, an advisor, Steve, uh, Steve Batita, who like right, like who was at the time, like running his own software company um, and was advising Zogo. And like this was like even earlier when I was in my software engineering kind of career career I, I guess is the way to put it like just my like trajectory and i had never really built like a relational database system and mm -hmm. i'd only build like internal java epi objects not one like a web application that we needed to do for zogo and so i was building both of those things for zogo and those are both like relatively like simple not simple but they're like relatively common concepts mm -hmm. in application development and i was sitting at steve's house i was in his like workstation this man runs like an art like at the time was running i think like a 60 person software development company and this is this little like sophomore in college simran with like a word document that was like hey is this what i'm doing like here's a spec of like this and he was like explaining to me the most simple concepts um like in a very nice way. And this was, it was just like at the grand scheme of things, like it was not a good use of his time. Like there are so many better things that he could be doing with his time, but he was just helping me do it. And he was like, it was, it was, I think about moments like that um, where people were just super helpful um, with their time. And, and yeah, I just think back to moments like that quite often. And I just think, wow, like, isn't that cool? That I had such great people. Um, wow. helping Zogo. Yeah. Wow. 
Um, and then what would be kind of your like advice for anyone interested in starting a company or like a project like Zoga? Yeah, there's a, I think, um, oh shoot, let me think of a good way of saying something. Uh, I think, I think, um, I think there are two things that like, like there, there are two, uh, factors that I think are kind of important or that I think about often when I talk to people who are like, you know, either in college or in high school or even now, like even like early out of college or like any point in their life, I think there's like, um, two things that I think are kind of interesting. One, one is like this idea of constraints and the other is like, um, like, uh, I, I, in my head, I use the word optionality, but that's like a, it can be kind of a little term, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll use the word like constraints and optionality. So one thing that I think I see a lot of people struggle with, and we, we struggle with this ourselves is, um, is the idea of constraints is like, we want the world almost like when we, the first version of anything we want to build out, we like want you know, forget, you know, sometimes even trivial things. We like launched a dashboard for our enterprise clients and we, we launched the first version without reset passwords. We launched the first version without forget passwords, no user management systems. We had like literally the most basic things possible. And, and we had constraints. So like we were very conscious of like, these are the, the bare minimum things of constraints that we want. And we were willing to kind of like build on top of them. Um, and, uh, like we were very intentional about some of those constraints. Some of those constraints we weren't very intentional about. It just was like, I, I'm not, it's not going to worry about it. I'm just going to build the thing. And I think that helps people like build something very quickly. Um, and when I was in college, I had a very like tough time thinking about like, oh, like I'm not going to be able to release this or that's going to be so hard. Like, I'll just be like, all right, I'm going to think about it and I'll just like put it on a list somewhere and I'll worry about it later. Um, and, and this is going to be the first thing I release in like two, three weeks or a month in a particular timeline and that's just what it's going to be um and i think the second thing is about like I, I really don't like the word optionality here but i'll stick with it is like this idea that like i feel like um when i release something for like a two week or like a one month like different project is i feel like i'm like once i release it that like i've fully committed and i'm done like 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 there's no way for me to like separate myself from that and i tie it too much to my like almost like my identity in a way that's like unproductive. Um, Cause like, and, and it stops me from building something. Like I would rather like in, in my head, I would rather just not build something than build something that like had minimal constraints or like I wasn't like a hundred percent proud of. And like someone looked at it and would be like, that sucks, therefore Simran sucks. Um, and so like, like that, that relationship to it, I had to separate a little bit um, and to be like, okay, this is important and I built it and I should take ownership of it. But if I want to build something else, I can go build something else. Or if this sucks, or if I'm learning something from it, or like I'm not super happy with how it turned out, like, you know, I can move on. Like, I, I don't need to like, um, I don't need to cut down all my options and become only this. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I can learn something from it. Um, and so if I was to sum it up again, I think it's just like, um, you know, you can build some things and learn from them and you can then move on. Um, and it doesn't need to be like a crazy part of, you know, your identity in a way that is unhelpful. Like that, that, that hopefully level of separation, I think should help people start something. And then at some point you're going to need to like 
spent a lot of time and energy doing something. And, and Zogo for me was Zogo only for a while, but there was a period where a year and a half, like we were building stuff out and it was important for Zogo, but it wasn't entirely what Zogo ended up being. And it was important in our journey, but that doesn't mean it's not important at all. And it doesn't mean it was everything. Um, so that level of like, you know, thought I think, I think people should think about when they're starting projects. Wow. Yeah. That, that's awesome. And I think that's actually all, all the questions I have. So thank you so much. I hope everything goes well with Zogo and you can hopefully travel sometime soon. Yeah, cool. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah.